You are listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these uninspired talks given by Michael McAllister, followed up by question and answer exchanges with groups of his students. Over the last several weeks, I've been pushing and leaning into this space of diligence. What does it mean to really practice for something that you really want in ways that really keep the heat on, that really keep us from hiding, in other words, that really shine the light on our habitual patterns of inertia in ways that really expose us, expose everything in our behavior that is contracted as opposed to expansive. And what comes from that usually is a, a little bit more of a commitment, a little bit more uh, stiffness to the uh, work. It's as if we're sharpening the sword that we then can use to cut through this veil of delusion that we operate under day in and day out. And this is really healthy. You, of course, and I, of course, can go overboard with this if we become too uh, regimented, too attached to sharpening the sword. We lose sense that in order to have a sword, it needs to have a handle. And the handle is made from wood, which is infinitely pliable. We can shape it so that it conforms just perfectly. And if that sword is not balanced with the softness, the malleability of the handle, we're not serving anyone, least of all ourselves in this process. So not attaching to how we shape the handle and not attaching to how we forge the sword then becomes an opening in the practice. And this allows for Buddhahood. This allows for awakening. This allows for Christ consciousness. This allows for infinite mind to infuse and in many cases supplant the dominance of limited mind. So, what does the way look like? How do we get to be Buddha? That question starts coming up pretty readily. So, you ready? Ready for this one? <laughs> okay, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> you can, can't write it down because then we'd attach to it and then we'd wreck it, right? So, I'll just uh, throw it your way. Uh, according to one of the greats, Dogen, Dogen Zenji. He said, there is a simple way to become a Buddha. When you refrain from unwholesome action, are not attached to birth and death, and are compassionate toward all sentient beings, respectful to seniors and kind to juniors, not excluding or desiring anything, with no designing thoughts or worries, you will be called 
a Buddha. Do not seek anything else. I don't know if anybody can say it better than that. Absolutely beautiful because he incorporates the fullness of the eightfold path in that statement. And so when we hear about the four noble truths, life is suffering, there's a cause to this suffering, there's an end to this suffering, and here's how. We're talking about the here's how. We're talking about the eightfold path, which is the fourth noble truth. I'll read the quote again just, just so you can hear it. I think it's quite beautiful. There is a simple way to become a Buddha. When you refrain from unwholesome action, are not attached to birth and death, and are compassionate toward all sentient beings, respectful to seniors and kind to juniors, not excluding or desiring anything, with no designing thoughts or worries, you will be called a Buddha. Do not seek anything else. And so we then look very carefully tonight in a very, very short amount of time. I, I could spend weeks, you know, taking this apart, and maybe that would be appropriate for a time in the future. But just to give you the uh, supremely brief version of what the Eightfold Path lays out for us, we can see it in three distinct sections. One is wisdom, one is compassion, and the other is stillness. Wisdom, compassion, and stillness. So to begin with, in wisdom, we call it essentially right view. Do we view things correctly? In other words, in other words are we recognizing what's real? And that is that there is no self. That there is this thing called delusion when we believe that we are actually separate from, that I am in here and everything else is out there. That's primary. If we have that, step two becomes actually kind of simple. As long as there's kind of a container to hold this first first uh, 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 part of the path, which is right view, is there the right intention? Is there intentionality behind this view where our aspiration is not to covet an awakening, but to allow the awakening to inform its gift to everything and everybody else? I think a great way to look at intentionality um, shows itself, for me at least, in, in Kinhin, in our walking meditation. When I was in uh, Thailand, we were doing this walking meditation, and I remember uh, many people were, were, were struggling with this idea of just slowing down so totally that, you know, and, and they were looking like, you know, right in front of them, crashing into each other and stuff like that. Um, and one of the priests who was there said, allow your gaze to soften and become a direction. 
And the minute people stopped looking down right in front of them and started looking where they wanted to go, their foot always ended up in the right place. The walking meditation began to move gracefully because the intentionality was clear where they were going. In the world of form, we call this a goal. In formlessness, intention is omnidirectional. It has no center, no point of centration, and no circumference, no area. It becomes an expanse. Carrying that expanse into a directionality informs that directionality with beauty. So that's wisdom. And then the morality, compassion aspect of things. Be compassionate in how you speak. Are you trying to tear at someone with your speech? Are you gossiping? Are we endeavoring to cause shame in another? Are we slandering? We can pick up any kind of verbal negativity at or toward as being something that we should be very mindful of, being fully aware of that as an ethical or a compassion practice. How about our activity? This goes along the lines of not killing, not stealing, uh, not uh, abusing ours or another's uh, uh, sexuality. How are we engaging in the world? Is it from a place of care and kindness? Is it from a place where I in here recognizes that I am also everything else out there that arises? That any act against another is really an act against myself. Any act against myself is really an act against another. Next, we would look at our livelihood. Is our livelihood, the way we make our living, congruent with these practices of compassion? Are we harming? Are we helping? And this isn't to say if you are doing something that we stereotypically might look at as being truly harmful, like you are defending uh, toxic polluters in courts of law and winning cases for them. I'm, I'm making this up, but let's just say that's what you do. Or you are a mercenary of any kind, a hired gun to go harm. Does that mean you are evil? No, it doesn't. You are merely engaging actively in a kind of consciousness that is limited. That person, however, still has the infinite capacity to awaken. What would that awakening do to the way they live? I don't know. I don't know. But at the point of awakening, harmony becomes not just a wish, it becomes an is.
and engaging in the world from an awakened place changes the world as much as it changes you. I can only imagine what would happen if someone who was a mercenary awoke. Next, we look at effort. Now we get into the stillness practice. What is your effort? Is it something you kind of dabble in? Again, this goes back to what we've been talking about the last few weeks. Do you just like coming to hear me speak or yourself speak or others speak? Or, you know, Is that it? Or is there something deeper? Is the effort guided and harnessed and pushed and pulled and manipulated? And is the effort itself contracted? Or is the effort going toward something that is expansive? Is the effort to realize? Is the effort to awaken? Does that become kind of the deepest point of resonance for you personally? For you personally, do you wish to meet and act as the deep singularity of the impersonal? After perfect effort, in the stillness aspect of this, we would look at perfect mindfulness. Can you be totally aware of what you're doing? Can you be aware as you brush your teeth what it feels like to go on the outside and then go on the inside and how that sensually is so radically different? When you wash the dishes or clean the bathroom, can you really feel what it's like to touch that smooth porcelain with the cool water? Can you really feel what it's like to have soap slip in your hands? Can you do that with every bit of your awareness without letting the little stories come in? God, I hate how messy my kids are. Or, geez, my husband is such a slot, whatever. Without letting those in, can you just be fully there? Can you be there for your body? Can you really feel and check in with your body all the time? Can you be there for your mind? Can you check your thoughts and feelings all the time? Can you look at your beliefs and your opinions? Can you be there for them at all times with absolute awareness? And then lastly, we look at perfect stillness practice. What does that mean? When you're still, are you? Or are you still spinning? Are you endeavoring to create a deeper and deeper stillness? Or are you just screwing around? We kind of come back to this idea of intentionality. We kind of come back to this idea of what is the most important thing. We come back to this idea of what is the first point of wisdom. It's seeing things as they are. Can you do that when you're on your cushion? If you can, the eighth and final step of the eightfold path is expressing itself fully through you. And when we do this, we become Buddha.
Do not seek anything else. In listening to you um, talk about sharpening your sword and um, working on the handle to make it pliable so it fits your hand, going through the veils, I, I kind of, in my practice, I mean, I think I'm just a real beginner, but going through the veils is, I say veils because it seems like there's always more and more is still very uncomfortable and then I get to a point and then it's very uncomfortable yeah and I think I know the answer I'm sure there are more and more veils you know in different comfort levels but that's not a beginner's realization Barb and while I always quote Suzuki Roshi on that whole deal in the uh, beginner's mind there are many possibilities and the experts there are few don't lose sense of that wonder about which veil is going to come up next because they will and you will also always be able to see past them especially as your practice deepens you know but veils can arise at any moment and I guess they can be difficult at any moment. Yeah, this isn't about yeah, this isn't about pleasure. It's about how we deal with what's hard. Actually, when things are really pleasurable, that's the best time in many respects to practice because at that point you can create a settling of the practice. So when it gets hard, you're coming from a place that's grounded. So when things are especially blissful, please practice. So that when the universe throws you the inevitable change-up, you still have an excellent chance of knocking it out of the park. And I have no idea why that metaphor came up, but um, so please excuse me <laughs> for the baseball analogy there, but I guess it's baseball season, yeah. Uh, but it's, I, I think it's really, I think it's really potent it's a potent, sense. yeah. Let the universe throw the change up. Allow it. And then keep your eye on the ball. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. When you say that to attain Buddhahood, you should and seek nothing less. To me, that implies that you should 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 go after that with a incredibly singular focus. If you do that, doesn't that become an attachment? It can, yeah. It really can. Yeah, if you become addicted to any type of spiritual practice, you destroy the spiritual practice at a real kind of core level until you recognize that the destruction that you've kind of <laughs> meted out um, brings you ultimately to the recognition that there was never a practice to begin with that there was never a you practicing a fool who uh, pursues his folly becomes wise William Blake said and that's really all spiritual practice is the path itself Brad is delusion okay as weird as that may sound but 
becoming very, very singular in your focus, where you start clinging, yeah, that's not going to help you very much, is it? But allowing that singularity of intention to fuel an openness in you, a continual opening in you, allows you to not seek Buddhahood. It allows the uncovering of the intrinsic Buddhahood that you've always been, that you have never not been. I appreciate your mentioning wisdom and compassion along with stillness. It's, it's a good reminder because when I practice or attempt to or devote myself to practicing stillness, the sequence unfolds in the following way. Diligence, intention, and then the banana peel, expectation. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it seems so easy to slip from intention to be still to expectation of what stillness is. Right. Um, I keep slipping on that banana peel. It's nice to remember that I should remember that the person who's slipping is a delusion and that the person who's slipping, even though he's deluded, should be compassionate. But that always comes after the accident, at the time, after the accident, at the time of the accident report. <laughs> and in that part of the report it says he forgot to watch his step? He forgot to realize that he wasn't separate. Okay. He forgot to realize <laughs> that he should be compassionate. That he, that not, <laughs> there you go, I dot, know. dot, whoops, another banana peel. Right. The banana peel can only show itself, though, as long as there's a you. Right. Right. There are many banana peels <laughs> in my stillness practice. That's right. Welcome every one of them with a loving caring smile every one of them I've got a, a big <laughs> right collection there? of banana peels <laughs> yeah let them let them become let them become if they are the path one continuous mistake Paul right right allow the banana peel watch the whole thing and what happens when you see Keaton slip when you see Buster Keaton because there's no one slipped better no one could fall better than Buster Keaton what happens what's the natural reaction the spontaneous laugh a spontaneous laugh guess what that is Buddha don't seek anything else but that laugh yeah it, spontaneous a spontaneous laugh I, see another, I feel another banana peel. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. My whole life is a banana peel. Your whole life is awakening. And but life. I. Uh, it's also suffering, though. Yeah. 
Yeah. It doesn't make the... Um, as funny as it might be, it doesn't make it any easier. Oh, no. And uh, I guess, this, for me, my struggle is getting me out of the way. What did that feel like? Scary. Uh, risky. Uh, uncomfortable. Are you still here? Am I still where? Right here, right now. Most of the time. Mm -hmm. Except when I'm not. Right. <laughs> Fears of banana peel. Discomfort is a banana peel. Resistance is a banana peel. Banana peels arise as ego marks the trail of where it wants you to go. And when we slip on them enough and a spontaneous laughter begins to occur, what happens is the banana peels themselves neither pose risk nor allure to any aspect of our work. They just are there. There's no thought associated with them. There's no opinion, conviction, no memory, no plan, no judgment, no fear. But that takes the willingness to just slip. And former football stars aren't good at that because they predicated entire careers on being sure-footed and making sure that the cleats stuck. But you're ready, though. You're totally ready. Don't we predicate an entire life on, I have, you know, it has to be precise, exact. You know, it's football in a different uniform. We isn't are. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. We're, all, we're all football players in that way, yeah. Right. The... Uh, The life you're talking about, having that type of uh, almost a, a ferocity, mm -hmm. isn't a bad thing in this game of awakening. It's not a bad thing. Um, it actually can help fuel us better than someone who's approached life with a much kind of... Uh, less conflicted, less contested, less competitive way about them. But that life that you're talking about is really flimsy when it comes down to it. It's built as a house of cards and it doesn't take much for it to collapse. 
the gift is when it does collapse that there are tears um, and what those Ajahn Shah said if we have not wept deeply we have not begun to meditate so allow them witness them know that know what they are where they're coming from and be still with them we incorporate then the eightfold path in that activity the whole life you've predicated on this that yes no i want i don't want you know that whole thing begins to show up in a totally different way from a place of real relaxation not just on a cognitive level but on a spiritual on a heart level and then they start to meet as we act we become spirit in action in a conscious way what sort of suggestions do you have for getting yourself out of the way watching yourself get in the way first watch yourself get in the way and in the watching of that you actually start giving you start working out the muscles to get out of your own way because what's what you're getting out of the way into is your original face you begin witnessing the getting in the way you begin witnessing the banana peels you begin witnessing losing the game you always thought you were going to be able to win and as you start watching that as you start as you start becoming aware of the awareness itself we then become buddha it might just be for a split second because <laughs> we might get right back in our way again we might then slip on a banana peel okay we might unfortunately win a football game we might you know get the you know the winning the, the 6 yard run that might happen and that might help to reify that might help to give gas to the very thing we want to get beyond either way i think it's absolutely imperative that stillness creep into our day to day somehow because that workout that workout is what gives us not only the energetic impulse to allow the universe to evolve through us but it also is the very activity of the universe realizing itself through this manifest form we call me or you but the stillness has to be there when the stillness is there guess what we can see it and then it becomes conscious and what becomes conscious then can't hold us and i would also make sure you enjoy your life Thank you so much for coming.